Welcome back to the Teach for the Heart podcast, where we tackle teaching challenges from a biblical perspective. Why are we here? Because we don't believe that our spiritual walk and teaching profession should exist in two separate domains. Rather, the hope we have in Christ should change how we approach everything, not just at home, but at school as well. So join us as we explore both the spiritual and practical sides of key teaching challenges, integrating them together so we can succeed at teaching, glorify God, and make a lasting difference in your students' hearts and lives. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Herzog Foundation. The views and opinions expressed in this program are my own and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the Herzog Foundation. I'm so excited to be joining you again as we continue this series on your answers for your top teaching questions, where we're addressing common and interesting questions in a variety of topics. In the last two episodes, if you missed them, we talked about questions around classroom management in episode one, and then questions around time management and balance in episode two. If you missed either of those, you can just scroll back in the podcast feed or go to teachfortheheart.com slash answers um, to check those out. Today, we're going to be talking about mental challenges. In other words, questions around anxiety, frustration, discouragement, and we're going to we're going to go there because I know that's where so many of you are. It can be really really challenging, and I'm really excited to dive into some of these questions with you. So, let's get right into them. There are quite a few. Um real quick before we do that though, let me give you a preview of some of the things that we're going to talk about today. Um I have a question around how do you overcome anxiety about creating perfect lesson plans, observations, etc. What about if my admin and coworkers don't seem to appreciate me? How do I handle that? I find myself in a stressful environment. What do I do? How do I manage my emotions in class? I often feel overwhelmed. How do I regain the joy of teaching? And I feel like a failure if I'm not constantly spreading the love of Jesus just the way I should. How do I what do I do with that feeling? So a lot of really, really great questions here. So let's start with this one. How do you overcome anxiety about creating the perfect lesson plan for observation, perfect differentiation, 100% engagement, and bell-to-bell instruction? So much we could say about this. So, and I will say that right off. So much I could say about all of these, but I only have a few minutes for each one if we want to get through all of them. So if I could only say a few things, I would say this. Um, where is this need for perfection coming from? That's something to ask yourself because it is not from God. God calls us in scripture to work for him, right? He is the one that we're working for. I think of Colossians 3, 23. um, And whatever you do, do it heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that of the Lord, you'll receive the reward of the inheritance for we serve the Lord Christ. So. It's God that we're working for. We are here ultimately for his glory, okay? Now, if you think about that a certain way, you can kind of twist that a little bit and make it say, well, if I'm working for God, it has to be perfect. But does God ever expect perfection from any of us except his dearly beloved son? No. We will always fall short. We will never reach perfection. Um, That is very clear. And that's true not just of our sin nature. That's true of everything we do. We are fallen humans. But in Christ, because of the death of his dearly beloved son, God gives us Christ's righteousness. It is ours. 
God sees us as perfect and whole and complete, not because of anything that we do, but because we are robed in Christ's righteousness and it's ours, even though we don't deserve it. You might say, okay, Linda, that's a nice sermon. What does that have to do with my lesson plans? Well, it's important to recognize that the one we're serving sees us as perfectly righteous because of Jesus, okay? That is the standing we have before God. That is the standing we have before the person that we are teaching for, okay? And that recognition that God loves us completely and wholly should free us to serve God the best we can, but without the burden of perfectionism because he does not expect that from us because it is impossible. We will never have perfect observation, perfect differentiation, perfect engagement, perfect lessons. We are not called to perfection. We are called to serve the Lord. That means working hard. That means doing a good job. That means always improving our craft. We should be looking for ways to differentiate better, engage students more, you know, teach as much as we can with the time that we have, right? We should be seeking to do that, but not out of a need for perfectionism. The need for perfectionism will cripple you. It will keep you from being able to do the best job in some cases, and it will cost you, it could potentially cost you like a lot, your mental health and also your time that you need for other areas of your life that are important. So if you're really, really struggling with perfectionism, I recommend, first of all, praying about that, asking God to reveal in your heart, where is this need for being perfect coming from? Um, you might be finding your identity in your work or your identity in doing a good job instead of finding your identity in who you are in Christ, which is why I talked about that in the beginning. Um If you are praying and feeling like I'm still really struggling with this, I recommend talking to someone. Um, Talk to a Christian counselor, talk to a pastor, talk to a trusted friend in your church um, that can help you kind of work through that because it's it's worth it. And God gave us the body of Christ to help each other. And it's definitely something um, worth talking with someone about. So that's our first question. Next question is this. My admin and coworkers don't seem to appreciate me. And that's hard. How do I handle this? First of all, that is hard, right? Everyone wants to feel appreciated. Everyone wants to feel that people that they work with think they're competent and doing a good job, okay? Um, And the first thing I would say, um, real quick before I get to the real answer, a little bit of a caveat, obviously we do want to be seeking to do a good job, okay? Um, If there are legitimate concerns coming from your admin in particular. I don't know if I'd worry so much about the coworker ones, but um, make sure you are seeking to address them. Make sure you are seeking to learn and to grow. We certainly don't want to neglect that. We don't want to assume that all critique or constructive criticism is unwarranted. Sometimes it is warranted and sometimes um, even if it's maybe not delivered the most encouraging way, sometimes there's something that we really need to learn and take away from that. I know I've totally been there. I think we all have been. So don't neglect that side of it. But as far as um, more to the question of how do I handle just that feeling of not feeling appreciated, whether it's deserved or undeserved, it goes back to what I was talking about before. Where are we finding our identity and our worth? Do I see myself as God sees me? And am I remembering on a daily basis who I'm really working for. We're really not working for our admin. We're really not working for our coworkers. And while it's great to have their approval and their respect, that is a wonderful thing. 
It's not a necessary thing. If we keep our eyes on God and on Christ and remember that he's the one we're serving and remember that he is pleased with us because of Jesus, <laughs> right? And that is that is a joy. And to remember that as we're serving Christ, the things he's looking to build in us is not perfect teaching, although he does want to help us become better teachers. What he's most concerned is conforming us into the image of his son, growing us in love and in joy and in peace and in patience, and in kindness, and self-control, and the rest of the fruit of the Spirit, right? Um, That is what God is working in us. Um, And he's seeking to do that possibly through this unappreciation. Um, He can use that in your life to help orient your mind away from pleasing people and on to pleasing him. And as we seek to please him, we're going to be growing in the things that are most important. And he's also going to help us in our teaching and all of it. So that's the biggest thing, um, as I, I would as I would say, is is try to get your mind off of pleasing people and remind yourself who you're really working for and the fact that he loves you unconditionally um, and that he sees you as righteous because of Christ. Um, and then once again, same thing, pray through it. Pray about it. Every time you're frustrated, take it to God. Share that with him. Talk to him about it. And talk to people about it too. Um, Don't try to just bear that on your own. If you're having a tough day, reach out to a trusted friend, mentor. um, Find somebody that you can share, share and that can encourage you. That's really important. All right, number three question. I find myself in a stressful, somewhat unsafe teaching environment. What do I do? Um. The word that really uh, stood out to me in this question was somewhat unsafe. And I don't know exactly what that means, what all's involved in that. Um, but that word in particular really um, makes me say that I think one of the first things you should do is get wise counsel. Um, get other people involved. If you feel like you're in a situation that is potentially unsafe, make sure you're not at that alone. Um, pastor, trusted friends, uh, colleague, like there should be somebody that you can talk to about these things that can speak in and give a clear-headed, unbiased perspective that can help you know if it's like, okay, you know, this is something where, yep, God's called you to this um, situation or can help you get some perspective of maybe, um, man, this is really is not okay what's going on. Sometimes we lose that perspective when we're so closely tied to the situation. And so getting some outside counsel can be really, really helpful. Um, And that can also help you know if this is help you if you're feeling like, I don't know if this is where God wants me to stay or if he's calling me out of this situation. Wise counsel is also really helpful there because once again, sometimes we are just way too close to the situation ourselves. Um, The other thing, my other biggest advice here is just really digging into trusting God. Um, For as long as he calls you here, which may be a long time, maybe a short time, this is where he has you. He is with you. He's not leaving you. Um, He will not forsake you. And nothing is going to happen that is outside of his plan for you. Um, Nothing that happens can thwart um, what he's doing in your life. Um, So we can trust him. We can trust him with difficult situations. We can trust him with the stress that we're going through. And he can help us with that. I mean, I love Philippians 4. Um, 
don't worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Not saying that means you'll never have an anxious feeling again, but when we take our things to God and and tr- just choose to trust him, it it really helps. And, and it helps to be really specific sometimes. And I, when I've prayed about certain things, I've I've sensed God saying, um, pressing, impressing on my mind. You know, can you trust me with blank? You know, can you trust me with X student? Can you trust me with your boss that you know is blah 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 whatever it is? Can you trust me with this relationship? And sometimes that's hard. Like, whew, can I trust you with that? Well, I do. I choose to, and that doesn't resolve the problem overnight. But that that promise that it'll he'll give you a piece it does bring a measure of peace in just trusting him. So I encourage you to do that over and over and over again. And once again, do it in community with others. Don't try to do it on your own. Next question is this, managing my emotions in the class. I find it so hard not to take things personally because being a teacher is not just what I do. It's who I am. I don't want to be like this. I don't want to get frustrated, especially when I can't hide it. Ooh, this is a hard one, right? Um, taking things personally um, in teaching. So a couple things. I'm going to first of all just talk a little bit about taking things personally. And then I got to come back to that comment. It's not what I do. It's who I am. That is kind of key to this as well. So not taking things personally. Um, it, it, it That is so important to learn not to take things personally. And it is hard um, because we care so much. And the person said, it's it's who I am. But as as this teacher said, we know it's when we take things personally, then we aren't re- typically responding the best way, right? We get really emotional. That can make us, I mean, depending on your personality, can make you angry, can make you, you know, crying. It can, it can do all kinds of stuff, none of which is going to help us as we teach and how we interact with the situation, right? Um, so I really actually think um, the taking it personally is often tied to where we're finding our identity and where we're finding our worth. Are you noticing a theme to this episode? It comes back to this over and over because that's often the root of a lot of our um, challenges in this way. So this teacher says, teaching is not just what I do. It's who I am. And if you're a believer, I would just tell you it's not. It's not who you are at your core. It is an important piece of your life, a wonderful calling that God has given you. But teaching does not define you. It's not who you are. Who you are is a man or woman made in God's image, called by him. If you're a believer, chosen in him, loved from the foundation of the world, redeemed by his dearly beloved son and clothed in Jesus' righteousness, not because of anything you do, no matter you're the best teacher in the world or the worst teacher in the world, doesn't change for a moment who you are. And I think that we have to understand that. And I can totally relate to this because honestly, when I stepped away, when when I got pregnant and knew I was going to be stepping away from a time from teaching, I had an identity crisis because <laughs> I was like, this is who I am. I have wrapped so much of my identity up in being a teacher. I had to really 
wrestle with that and I had to untangle my identity from teaching. And I think that is so important. If you find your identity so wrapped up in teaching, your worth so wrapped up in teaching, then it does, it's, things are going to devastate you so much more easily. And it's it's not good. And like I said, it's not who you are. It is an beautiful gift. It is an important piece of your life. And it is a wonderful calling. But if you could never teach again a day in your life, if it was taken away from you, you would still be exactly the same person in God's sight. None of your worth, none of your dignity, none of that would be taken away. And I think we need we need that confidence, especially teaching in this day and age. You need that soul confidence of that my worth is not tied to my teaching. When we have that, we can come into teaching with confidence, with boldness, with, you know, with the ability to let things roll off our back. Because the results are not our responsibility. Um, Those are up to God. We're just called to be faithful. We're called to serve him out of joy because our identity is fixed and it's not related to whether we have a good day or a bad day or our students appreciate us or our students learn or they don't. None of that can, none of that can change our worth and identity, which is fixed and secure. Do you see how much more confidence that gives us? So once again, if you're struggling with that, pray about it, talk to someone. I'm saying it, I'm going to keep saying that because and I'm saying that to myself too. There's some it's 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 good advice and it's sometimes hard to take. Pray, involve other people. That's those are the tools that God has given us. We're taking a quick break to share a bit about our partner, the Herzog Foundation. The Herzog Foundation supports Christian schools in a variety of ways, but one way I highly recommend is their leadership trainings. They offer free in-person trainings to school leaders on a variety of important topics like donor development, marketing and enrollment, strategic planning, culture building, and more. Not only are the trainings free, but lodging and meals are also covered by the Herzog Foundation. So that means your school's only cost is airfare to get to the event. My friend Nancy is a school leader at the the school my kids attend, and she participated in one of these events last spring and told me it was absolutely amazing. So if you're at a Christian school, I highly recommend checking these out and recommending them to your school admins. You can find info by going to HerzogFoundation.com and clicking the events tag at the top of the page. That's HerzogFoundation.com and click the events tab. Now back to our conversation. Okay. Couple more questions. I know this is going, uh, this might go a little bit long, but these are such good questions. Okay, next one. I feel that I can become very overwhelmed and emotional sometimes while teaching and it can break my spirit. I want to regain the joy of knowing teaching is what God has me doing. Um, a related question. So many teachers are hating their jobs. How can I keep that negativity from taking over? Um, to the first question, I, I'm just going to say C above answer. <laughs> Honestly, um, how do we keep from being so overwhelmed and emotional? Um, I mean, um, emotions are going to come, um, but that having your identity fixed in Christ going to make such a big difference. And it might be something that that is too just a thought on that. That's not like a one time thing. It's not like, okay, now I know my identity is in Christ. I'm good. It's something that we're going to have to come back to over and over and over. When we find ourselves getting really upset, getting really overwhelmed, you know, by whatever it is, whether it's by our to-do list or by an expectation or by, you know, the situation that we feel like we can't control, we have to go back. We have to remind ourselves of what is true. Okay, okay, what is true? Where is my worth? Um, 
is, can I trust God with this? We have to go back to that sometimes over and over again. Um, but it, it can be really helpful. Um, but this thing, so many teachers are hating their jobs. How can I keep that negativity from taking over? Um, so many things I can say in addition to what I have. I'll just touch on two quickly. One is just reminding, uh, like, okay, one is turning our eyes to God. When we are feeling really down, um, sometimes we just need to get our eyes off of the problem and onto our great God. So however you do that, worship music can be so helpful when we're just feeling down, listening to worship music and really thinking about the words and just praising God. It takes our mind off of our struggles, puts it on him and his greatness and reminds us God is present. I have a great God. He's called me here. It just helps us remember all that is true. So getting our mind off of our problems onto God when you're just having a down day, when you're just feeling really off. Um, yeah, sometimes when we're like really struggling with problems, we can tend to hyper-focus on the problem and then just feel worse and worse and worse. But just sometimes just taking a break from the problem, putting our eyes back on God can be really helpful. At least I've found that to be really helpful. There was one other thing I was going to share about this, but I honestly cannot remember what it was. So I think maybe God did not want me to share that on this podcast. So we'll go to the next and to our final question. Here's the last question. I feel like a failure and like I couldn't possibly be spreading the love of Jesus in my school without saying it, or especially after a rough day when I've tried or haven't been as kind and patient as I wanted. What do I do with this feeling? In other words, what do I do with this feeling that I'm a failure, that I didn't do enough? Um, um, and I think I, what I'm, if I'm reading between the lines of this question, it sounds like this teacher is in a public school and is like, I can't, I can't say, um, you know, I, I can't be saying, telling them what is true about Jesus's love. And, and I feel like some days I'm not displaying it as, as well as I want. What do I do with this feeling? And honestly, um, we're going to go back to what I said at the beginning, um, God does not expect perfectionism from us. He doesn't expect it in how we teach, but he also doesn't expect it in how we act. Um, when we fall short, we repent, we ask for God's help, and we recognize that God is working in us and through us and that sanctification is a lifelong process, that we're never going to fully get there. Now, in particular with questions around um, or feelings of failure around, man, like I didn't take that opportunity. I, I could have said something more. Um, you know, I fa- I felt like I wasn't bold enough in what I said, or I maybe maybe I could have been a better witness um, in depending on what the context was. That is something to um, to bring to God. Just bring it to Him. Talk to Him about it. Say, God, I feel like I didn't say maybe what you wanted me to, or you know, there's some cases where. Where, uh, you know, maybe we did drop, to be honest, we did drop the ball. Like we had an opportunity and we just, we, we shrunk back in fear or we just weren't bold enough and, and we should have said something more. There's other times when, you know, you think, man, I wish I would have said more, but I, I did not know what to say. <laughs> God did not give me the words in that moment. I did, I did not know what to say and I didn't, I, you know, I didn't really end up saying much. And that's not necessarily a dropping the ball. It's just, you know, maybe God, maybe that was not the time to speak. God can give us the words. Um, and if he's not giving him to us at that time, it might not have been the time to speak. So I think surrendering, I think just sharing, talking to God about all of this, you know, asking him if, if we feel like we've dropped the ball, you know, then then tell him that. Confess it. Ask for boldness the next time. Um, if we are kind of frustrated by, you know, not being able to, um, to say more, 
talk to God about that. And and once again, though, you know, the Bible talks about if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us. So if we did sin in not saying something, he forgives us. He doesn't want us to wallow in that. If God doesn't want us to wallow in sin, he certainly doesn't want us to wallow in feeling like a failure because I, I didn't perfectly handle this. That is not what God has called us to. God calls us to victory in him. So we confessing um, sin, repenting should absolutely be a part, but it all, like should be a part of our life, right? But then that, that God, once again, God forgives forgets and forgives our sins. He removes them from us. Um, And he wants us to live in that victory, in that forgiveness. And that's, like I said, if that's true of sin, I believe that's also true of just if we feel like we failed at something. If we feel like we failed at something, talk to him about it. Um, Like I said, there might not even be a sin to confess, but we can, we can, I don't know. Sometimes we need to just confess our brokenness to God. God, I am, I am incapable I can't do this. I don't have it in me. Not, I didn't necessarily sin, but I'm just, I'm broken in this area. I don't have the capacity for this. I'm weak. I need you. I need you day to day. I mean, that's what the Christian life is supposed to be saying. I'm weak. You are strong. It's not, and it's just, this is hard because so much of the messaging in our world is you, you, you rely on yourself. It's you, it's you, it's you. You can do it. Empower yourself, self-esteem, self-reliance. Yes, you, you, you. And that is the opposite of what God said. God says, not you, not you, not you, me. <laughs> I will do it. I am strong when you are weak. And so when we find ourselves weak in whatever area, even if it's our witness, we can go to God and say, God, I am weak. I am ineffective. Thank you that you're in me, that you overrule. Please overrule my ineffectiveness. If I need boldness, give me boldness. If I need courage, give me courage. If I need to speak, speak your words through me. If I need to be quiet, shut my mouth and just continue to go back to God and rely on him day to day. And remember that the results are not up to you. God calls us to be faithful. God calls us to demonstrate his fruit, to seek to be like him, and to seek to witness and share his truth. But he does not call us to the results. He does not call us to the results. Those are up to him. So don't tie your worth. Don't tie your success to the results. Um, Just seek to be faithful with his help. I did think of what I wanted to share before, and I am going to share it now because God got it. God brought it back to my mind because this relates to so many of these things. I wanted to share one final thing, and I was actually um, learned this pattern from a woman I was just speaking with. I actually, we've actually had her on the podcast before, who um, lost her granddaughter to cancer, and I was asking her some of like what that healing process looked like, and she talked about grieving. Um, and she talked about the one book that she had read, talked about this circle. If you imagine a circle in the air, like kind of four parts to a circle, right? You go down and around and over and back up. And we were just talking about how important it is sometimes to grieve and to grieve in the right way. So if there is a situation in your life, um, I obviously this, this counts for deep grief, like the loss, you know, a loss of someone, but there are many things we can grieve about. We can grieve over broken relationships. We can grieve over a broken school system. We can grieve over the struggles that we're having in our classroom. We can grieve over our own brokenness. Like there are many effects of sin in this world that are brokenness and and it is right to grieve them. We see that in the laments, in, in the Psalms, in lamentations. So the right, this this pattern though, I've, I've, I found it helpful as I've thought through and as I've taken moments to grieve, you know, difficult situations in my own life. Um, if I see if I can remember it, um, you start by turning to God is the first part of that circle. Turn to God. Say, God, 
going to talk to you about this. Then you grieve the situation. You call out. You lament the situation. God, this isn't right. This is not how it should be. It is good and right to to grieve to God. Tell him, this is not the way you designed this. The effects of sin in this area are devastating. Sometimes we try to push away those negative emotions. We go, just think positive. Just feel positive. So sometimes we need to grieve what is happening. This shouldn't be. This isn't right. But we don't stop there. That's not the end. Then we turn it back to God and say, but God, you are faithful. You are in this. I'm giving this to you. We give it to him. We call out to him. We ask for his help. And then we trust him with it. We have to leave it there with him. We remember his promises. We remember his faithfulness. We say, God, I'm giving this situation to you. I am trusting that you are going to work in this. I am trusting that you are going to get me through this, even if it's not resolved, like if, whatever, depending, it's, it depends on the situation. But God, I'm giving this to you. I'm resting in you. I'm going to I'm going even if it's just, if it's moment by moment, if it's day by day, I'm I'm with you. But I think I think that process of actually allowing ourselves to grieve the situation at whatever level of grief that is, but just just lament it. Um but then trust God through it. I think can be really really helpful and also really cathartic. Um in not just pushing away and acting like everything is fine when it's not, but just recognizing that God is with us in that struggle. God, Jesus knows what it's like to grieve. Um, he knows what it's like to struggle. He knows what it's like, um, you know, he, we have a high priest that can, is not untouched with the feelings of our infirmity, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. So he knows what it's like. He wept at Lazarus' grave. He was scorned. He was rejected. He knows all of that and he's with us. He cares. Um, so I hope that this has been helpful for you guys today as we consider all these things. I think we should take just a moment um, and pray as we wrap up. Father, thank you that you're with us in all of our struggles. Thank you that you care about everything that we're facing um, in teaching right now. Um, teacher, I want you to think right now about a situation that is on your heart that is difficult. And I want you to, let's let's take it through that that cycle of grief. I want you to turn to God, tell him about what's going on first. Next, take a moment and lament. Cry out to God about what is wrong and and just mourn the devastating effects of sin and its curse in this situation. If you need more time to lament, feel free to pause this episode and take some more time crying out to God. Um, But when you're ready, um, start to pray, asking for God's help and intervention um, and peace in this situation. And let's end with a moment of thanksgiving. Thank God that even if you don't see it yet, 
that he's with you, that he's working, and thank him for what he's going to do in your heart and in your life. Father, we do thank you. We do praise you. We thank you that you're with us, that our worth is fixed in you. I pray for each teacher that you give them strength and courage and help us all find our worth in you and get in the habit of bringing our problems and challenges to you and allowing you and your spirit to speak into them. Thank you so much, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Once again, if you're going through something, I encourage you, reach out, talk to a friend, find someone at your church that you can talk to. Um, And if you need um, a professional counseling. I recommend the organization Fieldstone Counseling, their biblical counseling organization. You can find more about them at fieldstonecounseling.org. If you'd like all the notes and links from today's episode, you can go to teachfortheheart.com slash answers. And one more resource that I would recommend, we do have a program called Teach Uplifted. Um, It's kind of a combination of a devotional program and as well as some, um, we take a devotional, we go through a devotional, then we also apply some of what we're learning to teaching. Um, You can find out more about Teach Uplifted at teachuplifted.com. That's teachuplifted.com. If you are having trouble feeling positive and staying uplifted in teaching. We go into the spiritual aspect as well as practical aspects in Teach Uplifted. Well, once again, this episode is brought to you in partnership with the Herzog Foundation. And I can't wait to see you again next week. We're going to wrap up this series talking about questions related to relationships and faith in the classroom. Um, So I hope to see you there next week. In the meantime, teacher, remember God is at work in you and through you, and he's using you to make a difference. Keep your eyes on him and teach for the heart.